Hey, I'm Lucas. And I'm Jesse. And this is Double Blind. Much of science news today has been reduced to brief stories, light on the details, hiding behind clickbait headlines. Our goal with this podcast is to change that. We want to report on recent science news in a responsible way, go into all the details of the methods, and then have a realistic discussion of what it means for your life. So if you're curious, come with us. We think it'll be a lot of fun. This week on Double Blind, Puppy Dog Eyes, the evolution of the human-dog bond. And mood-altering drugs, how acetaminophen might affect your emotions. Jesse, why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about dogs. Cool. This is a story from a paper with the title Oxytocin Gaze Positive Loop and the Coevolution of Human-Dog Bonds. Oxytocin Gaze. I love that. It's so romantic. This is a story about how dogs affect our brains and how we affect dogs' brains. Okay. So as anyone who's ever had a dog knows, when you look into your dog's eyes and they're staring back at you, you just feel so much love. You love that little thing so much. I, I have never had a dog, but I can <laughs> I can imagine that that's a positive thing. Yeah. You know, people become really attached to their dogs. I know I do. Yeah, totally. And uh, so much of that is felt when you're looking into your dog's eyes. But, you know, okay. a, a, lot of, a lot of people, especially those who don't really believe that animals should have some of the same rights as humans, is that the dogs don't necessarily feel the same way. I guess that might be a difficult thing to prove. Yeah. But what's really cool about this study is that Japanese researchers um, studied dogs and their owners for a long period of time. And what they found is that when an owner and their dog looked into each other's eyes, the brains of both of them were flooded with oxytocin. Wow. So what is oxytocin? Oxytocin is the hormone associated with love and nurturing. Okay. It's the most commonly known uh, time where it's really prevalent in our brains uh, is when a mother and an infant interact with each other. When they look at each other, especially making eye contact, mm-hmm. both of their brains are flooded with oxytocin. Um, and that creates that initial bond and builds up uh, connection. It's, it's an extremely important home- hormone in human social interaction. All right. So this study was done between 30 owners and their pets. And as a control... The researchers also tested interactions between 11 wolves and the caretakers who'd raised them and nurtured them. Okay. What sort of control does that create? The idea there is that we can actually tell the difference between what dogs used to be, which is wolves, and how those brains react to humans that have been with them their whole lives, and the dogs of today. Right. The difference of domestication. Exactly. Because we've been domesticating dogs for a long time, and there's been a heck of a lot of evolution that's been happening there. Got it. And we know that's changed a lot about dogs' physical appearance, at least, and definitely about their brain structure as well. Yeah. And this way, we were able to actually see what the differences were between how the wolves reacted and how the dogs reacted. Because the caretakers for these wolves had been raising them since they were pups. So they had essentially the same duration and type of relationship. Same bond. So as I mentioned earlier, it was, it was discovered very consistently that when the owners and their dogs made eye contact, their brains were flooded with oxytocin, this, this love and nurturing hormone. Mm-hmm. With the wolves, this did not happen. Okay. As it turns out, wolves use eye contact primarily as a sign of aggression. Oh. Yeah. So this leads us to believe then 
that this is an evolutionary trait. This is something that's happened since the domestication of dogs. Right. That these creatures react with this oxytocin response to making eye contact with their owners. So that's a interesting but relatively simple result on its own. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing that, you know, you could have asked anybody with a dog and they would have told you more or less a story that supports this. Yeah. But it starts to get really interesting when we actually look a little bit into oxytocin and its role in humans. Okay. Researchers believe that oxytocin originally evolved in humans to encourage monogamous pair bonding. Oh. That's debatable. All right. But then it's thought that oxytocin responses were co-opted later to increase bonding between parents and their children. So that this was originally something that evolved um, for monogamous relationships between people. And then later on, uh, the same hormone was hijacked to uh, create uh, that nurturing relationship between parents and children. Right. And so what these researchers believe is that the dogs actually co-opted the oxytocin response again here for the third time. Oh, okay. Um, This paper throws around the phrase mutual gaze a lot. In human interaction, mutual gaze is one of the most important manifestations of social attachment between a mother and infant. The, The eye contact where both of them are looking at each other at the same time. Yeah. And so it looks like we've had this convergent evolution with dogs. And convergent evolution is where uh, two different species both evolve the same thing independently of each other. Right. This wasn't, this wasn't something that evolved like way back when in early mammals. No. Both dogs and humans were dogs and humans when this happened. Yeah. And as we know from the wolf control side of the study, this, this didn't exist before the domestication of dogs. So this is very recent. This is very recent. On, on an evolutionary context. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, the domestication of dogs, we don't know exactly when that occurred. Um, it's believed from DNA analysis that it's between 11 and 32,000 years ago. Okay, so very recent. Yeah, so that's very recent. And in that time, the dogs basically began to use this response that we have um, themselves and as a way to create a bond with humans. And it kind of made me think of the idea that it's almost like they domesticated us a bit as well as us them. Yeah, they're using us for for their own purposes as well. Yeah, they've really taken advantage of that. And now we both have that same system in place. Yeah. In the same study, the researchers also did another experiment as a little extra part of it, um, where they gave dogs a dose of oxytocin and then put them with their owners to see what would happen. Okay. So they artificially increased the amount of oxytocin in the dog's brain and then put them together with their owners. As it turned out, the female dogs made more eye contact with their owners after they'd been given oxytocin, which then, <laughs> okay. incre- yeah, and that then increased the owner's oxytocin levels more. Right. But it had no effect on male dogs. Oh. None whatsoever. Any idea why that might be? Well, for whatever reason, oxytocin seems to play a more prevalent role in the female brain than the male brain. Hmm. Um, we don't know a ton about why that's the case and where that gradient kind of exists and 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 why. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, and it'll definitely be looked into further, uh, the male dogs had no change in behavior after being given extra oxytocin. Interesting. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. We know a bit more about dogs. What can we actually do with this information? Right. <laughs> you know, what, what what's the real impact of this study? As it turns out, not... A heck of a lot um, right off the bat. There's definitely the possibility of developing um, some therapies for autism spectrum disorders. That's what's been theorized. Really? How does that work? Because one of the 
primary issues with autism spectrum disorders is difficulty forming emotional relationships um, and maintaining those and social attachment. Right. Yeah. So if we understand more about the hormones that are responsible for that in humans and dogs, we can theoretically start to understand a bit better what's going on in the brains of people who are experiencing autism disorders. Right, because oxytocin can be the motivator of those relationships. Yeah, exactly. Like, what what is causing this? And it's important to note that oxytocin is by no means the only hormone involved here. Right. Um, it plays a part in only some types of interactions, and it's definitely worth looking up further online if you're interested. But yeah, so that's that's probably the main avenue that this could actually go in terms of developing technology or further therapies or anything. But mm-hmm. as it stands on its own, I think the fact that we convergently evolved this process with dogs is really cool. That's fascinating. And so now you know that when you are looking at your dog in the eye and they're looking back at you, that you're both getting this dose of oxytocin that makes you both love each other more and feel better. That's fascinating. Yeah. So, so Jesse, you just mentioned you had a headache a moment ago. <laughs> yeah, and I just took a Tylenol for it. Yes. Yeah, so you did what a lot of people do. In fact, Tylenol, or acetaminophen, which is the active ingredient in it, is the most popular over-the-counter pain reliever in, in the United States. Right. And in fact, 50 million Americans take it every week. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anyone's medicine cabinet uh, without Tylenol. Exactly. It's, it's a really, yeah, acetaminophen is a hugely popular drug. Mm-hmm. And recently, there have been a lot of headlines about it. Uh, some of the examples have been, could taking acetaminophen dull your happiness? <laughs> your pain reliever might also be diminishing your joy. And Tylenol might dull emotional pain too. Okay, well, that's alternately terrifying and kind of interesting. Yeah, they're kind of alarming headlines, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, like that. And anytime you hear about something that is actually preventing you from being happy that's kind of terrifying that's absolutely terrifying particularly when it's something that we've or at least most of us have all taken yeah absolutely so let's go into the study let's figure out what happened here what's going on here so uh there have been hints before at acetaminophen affecting emotional reactions reactions people have to situations but it's never been studied in a very controlled environment okay in this particular study there were 80 participants all undergraduate university students. And you do have to remember, this was not a huge sample size. But these 80 participants were divided into two groups, and they were given either a dose of acetaminophen, which is equivalent to taking two extra strength Tylenols, okay, or a placebo. Right. Right? So, so a sugar pill, a pill that does nothing to your body chemically, but they weren't told, so they didn't know which one they were taking. So it was a double-blind study? I was just about to say the researchers who were administering (laughs) it didn't know either, which makes it a double-blind study. Oh, hey, that's the name of the show. Now that you know you're listening to Double Blind. (laughs) And what double-blind means. We've never actually explained that on the show. We never actually have. So a double-blind study, for our listeners who don't know, is a study just like this, where there's uh, something with an effect and a placebo, and neither the participants nor the researchers who are interacting with the participants know which one they're taking. Now, it's pretty obvious why the participants don't know which one they're taking. You're accounting for the placebo effect. But it's actually been shown in the past that if researchers know if they're administering a drug or a fake drug, they'll actually treat the participants differently, which is why these double-blind studies are conducted. Cool. So back to the study about acetaminophen. 
Once the placebo or the drug was administered, they waited an hour for it to take effect. And then participants were shown a series of 40 pictures in a random order. Now, these were pictures of all sorts of different things. And they were taken for this big database called the International Effective Picture System. And this is a large database of pictures which are classified by the emotional response that they give people. Okay. So they range from extremely unpleasant, which, and it was actually really hard for me to find examples of these because this database is actually super top secret because <laughs> wow. they don't want study participants to be able to see it before they take part in a study. Oh, that makes sense. So there's only a couple examples I could see, but the pictures range from extremely unpleasant, which would be something like a spider or a car crash victim, to extremely pleasant, which would be a field of flowers or puppies. The, the puppies relates to the uh, uh, dog story we did a moment yeah. ago. Now we know why that creates the emotional response. Exactly. Now we know why that's a very pleasant picture. So in this study, for these 40 pictures that they were shown, participants were asked to rate them from very negative, which would be in a response of negative five, to very positive, which would be a response of five. So they couldn't rate anywhere from negative five to positive five. Okay. They did that for each of these 40 pictures. They were then shown the same images again, and they were asked to rank the strength of their emotional response from zero to 10. So zero being no response and 10 being an extremely strong emotional response, either very positive or very negative. And then finally, they were shown the 40 pictures one last time, and they were asked to rate from zero to 10 the degree to which the color blue was represented in the pictures. Oh, interesting. So this, this one's a little different, right? The first two make sense if you're studying emotional response to something. The third question is a little odd. Yeah, what's that for? The idea here is it was a more objective evaluation that they were asking for. You can objectively evaluate how much blue is in a picture, or at least you can estimate it. Right. So the reason the researchers put that in is they wanted to see if acetaminophen affected all aspects of judgment mm -hmm. or just the emotional ones. Okay, that's really interesting. That's a good sort of way of figuring that out. I thought that was a really clever way of distinguishing between those two. Yeah, that's really cool. So the researchers found that participants who'd taken the acetaminophen instead of the placebo reported a reduced emotional reaction to these uh, visual stimuluses. Okay, interesting. So it did dull their response. So they rated unpleasant images less unpleasantly and pleasant images less pleasantly. Okay, so they, basically they responded to everything a little bit more neutrally. Exactly. And the neutral images were pretty much entirely the same. Right. And when they were rating the overall uh, amount of emotional reaction, that just all sort of came down. Interesting. They didn't rate any of their emotional reactions as extremely as before. Huh. Or as, as if they were taking a placebo. Now, you have to remember these differences are small. They're significant but small. So, for example, in terms of that overall emotional response, remember that was from 0 to 10, 10 being a very strong one, 0 being none. Right. The placebo average was 6.76. The acetaminophen average was 5.85. Right. So about 10%. Exactly. So small but significant. Now, the differences between the placebo and the drug group were also seen slightly more on the pleasant side of pictures than the unpleasant. Okay. So that's where those headlines come from about it dulling happiness. It was pretty much the same response, but there was slightly more dulling of the positive response than the negative response. That's really creepy. It is, isn't it? That's really, and it's actually pretty terrifying. It's pretty terrifying. And the final result, which was the one I was really curious about, is there's no significant difference between the ratings of how much blue 
was in the photo between the two groups. So it wasn't judgment it was affecting. It was actually emotional response. Wow. Okay, so that this begs the obvious question for me. Yeah. What are the long-term effects here? Like, clearly they were testing um, short-term effects while you're under the influence of the drug. Yeah. But well, what happens if you have chronic back pain and you're taking Tylenol every day? So the answer is we just don't know. Right. Uh, it's as simple as that. It hasn't been studied. I mean, should this change the way you use acetaminophen? Well, as long as you're following the directions of the product and those of your doctor, no, probably not. Right. But, however, it's a question that begs further investigation and especially for chronic usage. Totally. And long-term effects. That is something that hasn't been studied and really needs to be. Yeah, it's definitely something that's worth thinking about um, in terms of, you know, if you've got a little bit of a headache and, you know, maybe try and drink some water before you take the pill because as 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 this shows and as we're finding out all the time even what we think are the safest most commonplace drugs have side effects that we don't know about i mean it dulls pain response i guess it makes sense that it dulls emotional response too i mean that's kind of that's kind of the question i mean there's there's another direction the implications of the study can go in which is it's studying how pain physically and pain emotionally are processed in the brain oh that's really interesting are those processed along similar pathways or completely different uh, mechanisms? Huh. And I mean, this reminds us that we need to always be studying these drugs, even the ones that we use all the time, even the most popular drugs in the country. Yeah. Because this continued research keeps revealing new things and we're always learning new effects. Okay, well, that's it for this week. Um, we have links to all the studies we talked about and more in this episode's show notes and at doubleblindscience.com. We really hope you've enjoyed this week's discussion of the latest science news. Check back next week. We've got two new and exciting stories coming up for you. Did you hear about a crazy science story that you'd like us to cover? Uh, maybe a headline that just seems absolutely amazing or uh, something that no one's bothered to explain clearly enough for you uh, give us a shout by email at stories at doubleblindscience.com or on twitter at doubleblindsci see you next week see ya I would freak out yeah I'd freak out more if I hadn't taken a Tylenol for Yeah. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.